Do you enjoy our podcasts? Help us to be able to continue creating quality content by visiting our merch store at store.another12.org. You'll find some great merch there, and the best part about it is that a portion of every purchase goes to support the work that we do. Welcome to Drippings from the Honeycomb, the official podcast of Another 12 Ministries. We are so glad that you have decided to join us as we enjoy the sweetness of God's Word one verse at a time. Hello and welcome to episode 3 on our journey through the book of 1 Peter. I am really excited to continue this study with you, but before I do that, I want to take a few minutes to explain to those of you who are our faithful listeners why there was such a long gap between episode 2 and episode 3 of this study. The reason is that God does not always take his children on the most obvious path. And for our family, as of late, that has been very true of us. We have committed ourselves to doing this ministry. And while it had always been our hope that we would be able to pour ourselves completely into it full time, God has altered our course and now we have been moved into a bivocational approach to ministry. In other words, We are working to support the ministry, and we are doing the ministry as well. And so that is made for less time. It has been a rather difficult and lengthy transition for us. But we know that God is good, and we know that his plan is perfect. We know that his sovereignty never fails, and so we trust him in this new path. And what we are going to do is pour our efforts into both areas that he has called us into, working to support ourselves and this ministry, and doing the ministry work that he has called us to. And all of that is to say that because of the change in direction, it has taken us a little while to find our schedule again, a little while to get back into a routine of producing material for the ministry, and we're looking forward to walking this new road that God has laid out before us. So with that, let's jump into this episode of 1 Peter and take a look at what the scripture has to say to us. Now, before we get started, just a little bit by way of reminder, Peter is writing to these Christians that are dispersed around the world. They are undergoing really intense persecution in many of the places that they are, and he is encouraging them to endure the persecution, to wait, to be confident in God, to be confident in the salvation that Jesus has won on the cross for them, and to really lean into that confidence that their salvation will ultimately be finished at the return of Jesus Christ. And in verse 10, Peter gives a miniature history lesson. He launches into this discussion about the fact that while Christianity in and of itself may seem new, It is not new. It is as old as the law and the prophets themselves. See, what Peter wanted to do is tie this quote-unquote new faith of Christianity, this new faith in Jesus Christ, which is under fire from the religious Judaizers because they see it as a new religion. And Peter wants to dismantle that incorrect understanding for the Christians who are being persecuted. He wants them to understand Christianity is not new. Looking to Jesus for your salvation is not new. It's just that we have the revelation of Jesus and we have a name now and we know what he did. We understand God's plan for salvation, for saving man from his lost state better because we have witnessed the coming of the Messiah. But the faith in the Messiah isn't new. It goes all the way back 
to the Garden of Eden. It goes all the way back to Genesis 3, and it goes all the way back to the prophets who wrote the Old Testament scripture. And so Peter says in 1 Peter 1.10, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. See, Peter doesn't say concerning a salvation or concerning some sort of salvation. He says concerning this salvation, this one salvation, faith in Jesus Christ alone. This is the salvation he's talking about. And he goes back to the prophets and their writings. Concerning this salvation, the prophets inquired carefully. Now they inquired into what the Holy Spirit was teaching them. They inquired into the prophecies that God himself was giving to them to give to the nation of Israel, but they were also learning from these prophecies. They were studying these prophecies. They were saying, this is the revealed will of God for the salvation of mankind. We need to understand that. We need to know what it is. See, they looked forward to a Messiah. They didn't know when he was going to be born exactly. They didn't know who he was going to be Exactly. They didn't know what his name was going to be yet. They knew he would be called Emmanuel, God with us, those kinds of things. But they didn't know everything about him. They didn't know who Mary and Joseph were going to be. They didn't know those things yet. But they inquired concerning the person and the time. What was he going to be like? He was going to be a man of sorrows that we know from Isaiah. He was going to be acquainted with suffering. He was going to die. He was going to be counted as someone who was wicked at his death. They understood that through him was going to come resurrection for all people. And so they understood the concept of resurrection. They understood that he was going to conquer sin, to defeat death. They knew these things about the Messiah because they studied the prophetic writings of themselves and their peers throughout history to gain an understanding of when and how the salvation of God's Messiah was going to come about. And they wrote down all these things as an encouragement for those who would come after Jesus. They didn't get to see them. They had to see them by faith only. They had to cling to what they had, cling to the revelation of God before Jesus Christ to understand that they had hope. Like the prophets we must look forward through hope to the return of the risen Jesus. That is what we are looking forward to. See, the prophets looked back at the promises of God. We look back at the actions of Jesus, the life of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, his teachings, his ascension, the work of the apostles after Jesus had filled them with the Holy Spirit. We look back on that, but we look forward in hope to the return of Jesus Christ. See, the prophets don't have to look forward in hope to the return of Jesus Christ because they're already with him. They've died, they've gone to heaven, and now they are with him. But we look forward from this earth to the return of Jesus. It might happen in our lifetime, it might not. But until God takes us off this earth through death, we must look forward to that hope. During their lives, the prophets were faithful and obedient to the call of God. The life of the prophets was extremely difficult. 
It is fairly easy today as a modern believer, especially if you were one who was raised in the church, to look back on these great stories that we learn in Sunday school and to have this incredibly elevated view of the prophets, to think about them as these near supermen who walked the earth with this immense power of God. And if you're talking about Elijah or Elisha, that might even be a slightly accurate picture. They had this incredible power given to them by God. They were feared by those who were enemies of God. But they were not supermen. They were your average, everyday believers who were called by God to do extraordinary things. They did not have these unbelievably heroic lives. They suffered. They struggled. Some of them were imprisoned. Some of them were killed for what they were doing, for for the obedience of giving the message of God to a sinful people who did not want to hear the message of God. In fact, in Hebrews, we get a very emotional picture of the life of the prophets. In Hebrews 11, 32, it says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And then all of a sudden the tone changes. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered, mocking, flogging, and even chains of imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with swords. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. See, these prophets didn't have these magical lives where they floated to victory on some power that God had given them. These people were persecuted. These people were killed. These people were tortured. They were imprisoned. They had a very, very difficult life. Some of them were homeless, living in caves, clothing themselves with sheepskin. They suffered for their obedience. Like them, we must be willing to suffer to obey God. Obeying God is our primary responsibility as kingdom followers. In fact, we cannot be considered Christians. We cannot call ourselves Christians. We can have no hope in a future life in bliss with God if we do not obey. Obedience is the evidence of our heart's change through the power of the Holy Spirit. Without obedience, there is no evidence of a changed heart. Just like the prophets, we must be prepared to suffer to obey God. The prophets suffered and preserve the words of God so that future generations would know more about him. We must suffer in obedience to give the gospel and to build up the church so that future generations will have people to bring the gospel to them. Because we will be gone soon. Our lives will be over soon. And our work for the kingdom is all that will remain of who we were. So how did the prophets become such warriors of God? How did they endure such persecution? How did they stay faithful 
in the face of all the adversity? Well, Peter drops that clue for us here in these two verses. They studied the scriptures diligently. See, they knew that all of their hope, everything that they were working for, everything that they were suffering for, had to be based on truth or at some point they were going to break and give up and walk away. And so they studied the one true source of truth that they knew they had, God's word. As Christians in the modern day, where truth is shunned, where lies are embraced, we as believers must be firmly rooted in the word of God, studying it daily. If we want to have a successful ministry for the kingdom, if we want to be obedient in spite of rejection and persecution, we need to be grounded on truth. We need to be so convinced of the truth of God's word that there is nothing that we could face that could shake that conviction in it. Now, understand, that's not something that we as humans hold alone. The Holy Spirit gave the prophets strength to do this. The Holy Spirit gave the patriarchs and the great men and women of Scripture strength to do this. And he will give us that same strength. But we must root our minds in truth or we will be swayed by the world. We will be pulled away from obedience by a world that hates God, that wants nothing to do with his truth. And just like a ship without a rudder, faith without truth has no direction. It can't hold on to anything. We see this in today's society all around us. People have strong beliefs in things, but those beliefs shift and change because they are not rooted to anything other than their own pleasure in that one single moment. But we as Christ followers know that there is an absolute truth. There is a truth that cannot, cannot deviate or change, or be impeached, or proved false in any way. It is God's word. God's word is forever. It is greater than our history. It is greater than time. And the prophets studied the word so that they would be grounded in truth. And through that study, they were able to remain obedient and have successful ministries for the kingdom. And we as modern day believers must do exactly the same thing. The prophets were led by the Spirit of Christ. Peter says this right in this passage. They were led by the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that is given into the heart of every single true Christ follower. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. You have the Holy Spirit teaching you and guiding you into truth. You have the Holy Spirit there to convict you of sin, to drive you to your knees in repentance when you fail. And if you are going to be effective in the work that God has called you to in this life, you must submit yourself to the guiding and the leading of the Holy Spirit. You must be sensitive to his call on your life. When he convicts, you must repent. When he shows you that your way is not God's way by convicting you through the scriptures, you must give up your own path and follow him. When he calls you to leave everything that you hold dear and to go a direction that you don't want to go because that's where he's calling you, you must willingly lay aside your hopes and dreams and follow his leading because he is God and he is living within you and he has come to be your comfort, to be your guide, to be your teacher, 
and to lead you in the path of sanctification so that you will be more like Jesus Christ. See, these prophets, they didn't fight the Holy Spirit. And if you read through the prophets, the Holy Spirit called these men to do some unbelievably unpleasant and difficult things. Some things that we would even look at today and say, why? Why would you do that? Everything from eating uncomfortable things or living in an uncomfortable way or living a life that was fraught with peril or heartbreak or difficulty simply so that God would have an illustration to show his people. Perhaps one of the most heart-rending books in the Old Testament is the book of Hosea, where God literally called his prophet to marry an unfaithful woman and to love her and to take her back even after she would stray from their marriage time and time again to show the nation of Israel a picture of his faithfulness to them. And Hosea was obedient, even though he grieved his heart, even though he suffered through this, he was obedient to the call of the Holy Spirit. He was obedient to what God was showing him to do. He submitted his desires, his wants, his hopes, his dreams, his goals to be a profitable servant of God. He followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. If that is how the prophets, who were the ultimate servants of God in the Old Testament, if that is how they live their lives, then we as believers have no reason to live our lives differently, no right to live our lives differently and call ourselves Christ followers. And that is what Peter is showing us ultimately. He's showing that to the Christians he's writing to. His words are preserved by God's sovereignty so that we today have them. And he's showing them, this is how you should live. This is not a new idea. This is not something radical and crazy. This is how those who serve God have lived for thousands of years. They looked forward to the Messiah. You were blessed enough to be here when the Messiah came. Now you have salvation through him and you are to look forward just like they looked forward to the Messiah with hope. You're to look forward to the return of Jesus Christ with hope. And you're to live the same way. Nothing has changed. Christianity is not new. It goes back to the beginning. You see, as followers of Jesus Christ, there is a way that we are called to live. And Peter gets very real with these believers here. And he calls them to live in faith. He calls them to live lives of obedience. He calls them to live lives of sacrifice. And above all that, and tying it together, he calls them to live lives that put all of their hope in the world that is to come when Jesus Christ returns. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Drippings from the Honeycomb. If you would like to learn more about Another 12 Ministries and the work that we are doing to train youth ministry leaders to bring the gospel to young people, visit another12.org. If you would like to support our ministry, click on the donate link in the description below.